0: Welcome back to the Data-Driven Real Estate Podcast, the podcast for real estate professionals dedicated to driving business using data. I'm Aaron Norris with Sean O'Toole with Property Radar. And this week on episode 32, we have Christy Sertwell. She's a real estate investor based out of Southern California who's been flipping houses since 2007. She specializes in hoarder houses and the accessory dwelling unit. Hey, when it gets hard to find deals, you learn how to create them. And that's just what she's done. She was an early adopter in accessory dwelling units. So we talk about horror stories, things you need to know about ADUs, and why they're having their moment here in California and in other states as well. So you will not want to miss the show this week. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. First question out of the gate, what keeps you so excited about real estate here in California?
1: I just think the appreciation is just too great to pass up. If I'd realized what you know, when you can buy a property and 30 years later, it's just an insane amount. Whereas if you're buying in the Midwest, which is fine too, it's just a different strategy. It just doesn't appreciate the same. So I still really like that about California. I like the weather. Uh, not so much government policies right now, but um, <laughs> we'll stay focused on the positive. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm here for good. And um, the ADUs, obviously, we'll talk about today if if they come up, uh, have really added good cash flow to my property. So
0: Yeah. And you've been such a tremendous resource for me as you and I have been tackling the ADU space for years. I've been working with regulators and some of the senators that have been writing it, trying to give them some nuance and some feedback. I've been even working with cities, trying to get them excited about ADUs. But You were one of the first investors I knew that went all in on ADUs. So ADUs come up. Why did you get excited?
1: Well, maybe I was a bit dumb being the first one jumping in and making all the mistakes and paying higher fees, but I just got excited about them back in, well, I actually think they came into play 2017, Mm -hmm. but I didn't find out about them until 2018. And honestly, I couldn't believe it. I thought, how can you have an R1 zone property, single family, and put a second unit on it? And that's what these are. They're not just little tiny houses or something on wheels, which you can also do. But these are, and they allow up to 1,200 square feet of a second house now. And if you live on the property, you can have it, I, I, I call it a JDU for short, a junior ADU, where you have to live in either the junior, the ADU, or the main house. So you can you can actually make three units out of out of a you know zoned R1 property. So when I heard that, I, when JDU's just came out, I think last year, but in 2018, <clears throat> I was flipping a bunch of houses and realizing these could actually make sense to keep as rentals because to keep a single family house in a decent area in a decent neighborhood is really hard to make cash flow uh, cash flow off of that unless you have fifty percent down or you know you pay all cash or whatever. So I thought, okay, if I can get a loan and build an ADU, then I can have I can have a second unit, and now it sort of makes sense. So.
0: And you've been building these in several markets as well, so you have a lot of experience. Um, the 2017 ADU law. Um, how do I describe? The cities weren't exactly excited about it um i know several people in planning and they were actually really upset because the state by had forced them to stop playing games and they got rid of rules around owner occupied uh you know having to have the property have at least one of the units be owner occupied they've done all kinds of things to squash the nimbyism Um, (laughs) so it was just interesting to see even up to last year With the HOAs not being able to uh, include uh, JADUs as part of their calculations for the percentage of non- I'm going to
2: call it. I'm going to call it timeout. Like, because we're like ADUs, JADUs. Like, we've got a wide (laughs) audience, right? What is an ADU?
1: (laughs) Sorry, I'm using all these acronyms. I I, (laughs) yes, I should explain that. Fair enough. Accessory dwelling unit. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. JDU Junior accessory dwelling unit
2: it's like and, a, it's and you like mentioned a mini R1 unit. it's so that's a, a single family home it's zoned to only be one for one home one family one living unit right is what these properties were zoned for what um, you know they were designed for and now because of the shortage in housing affordable housing crisis, the state has come in and said, hey, you can put on a second unit on these single-family zoned properties, and they're calling those accessory-dwelling units. Is that yes? Is that a good summary? Okay. That's a and great the,
1: summary, yeah.
2: And the junior accessory-dwelling unit now allows you to do another one on top of that. And dive into a little bit more on the difference between the ADU and the junior ADU. Are there different size requirements? What's the tell us a little bit more. Where are the, is that now statewide? Is that everywhere? What's, uh, what's where's JDU stand?
1: Well, the, the ADUs can be, um, I believe, up to 1200 square feet now, and they can be attached. Like you can, you know, put something attached to the main house. You can do it detached. Those were the ones I mostly did, detached, freestanding, stick belt, um you can convert an existing space uh so all the above and like it can a be garage
2: a basic- convert the garage into another yeah unit.
1: yeah so those are that's all adu option yeah. JDU option you have to convert existing space you can't build something from scratch it has to be like um an example would be like a master bedroom and bathroom in the back of your house you could just put a door separate so that that unit could be access, uh, accessed separately. put a little kitchenette in there and now you've got like a studio sized jdu. Um, Jdus have to be 500 square feet or less. Um, you can oh, wow. also convert an attached garage and, and that could be
2: a jdu. Like a twenty by twenty garage, four hundred square feet, convert it, add a bathroom and a little kitchenette, and yeah, and people have been doing that for for years. Just it hasn't really been legal, and so well. And
1: the funny thing is, is back in the day, I was buying houses to flip in Long Beach, and there there's this inspection you have to have with which with each sale, and they inspect the garage. Well, if there's anything going on in there, you had to rip it all out. And now it's like you can put it all back in and legalize it.
2: It's just (laughs) insane. I ran into something. It was a little different, but similar. Uh, You know, I was buying foreclosures up and down the the state in the 2002, 2005 timeframe. And in Fresno, there was these houses that I would get at what seemed like a great deal. And you go into these houses and they were like, um, you know, like a maze. It was just, they were crazy how there's just walls and stuff everywhere. Well, what happened is is somebody figured out that the um, section eight housing rules, right? They require the bedroom to be a certain size, the closet to be a certain size, but you get rent based on the number of bedrooms, not on whether it's a good floor plan or not. So people would like turn the living rooms into like two additional bedrooms. (laughs) It was just like, and these houses just became like these habitrail, you know, mouse mazes. (laughs) It's crazy, and uh, they were a lot of work to uh, to fix up. And I I realized why I was the only one that bought.
1: (laughs) Well, and that's a good point. And and one of the things, even with my consideration to build more ADUs, don't just slap these things up. Don't just carve out a piece of your house and make it a, a junior, like put some thought into it because the neighborhoods I'm doing it in are nicer ones. And I don't want to be, you know, that guy who is just making a mess of the, the neighborhood. So it does have to have some thought put in, put into it. I think
0: I was, I'll oh, go ahead. Ryan. I was, I call it being a cram Lord. You know, it's cramming all the square footage, ruining the quality of life, and possibly the value of not just the rents, but the property if you do it wrong.
2: Right,
1: right. And sometimes a garage. (laughs) Yeah, like a garage could be worth more as a garage. Don't just convert it because it's there, but if it's appropriate to do so, do it. I mean, the cash flow is great off of these units.
2: Garage is the most important room in the house to me. Sean has quite the garage. <laughs> <laughs> got the best. Practice. Um, so uh, you, you know, you touched on that. You know, you, the the quality of the neighborhood, etc. Right when when all the other people in this neighborhood bought in this neighborhood, they bought into a single family neighborhood. That's what it was zoned. I mean, let, let's talk about that. I mean, how how do you feel about? I mean, there's an opportunity here for you as a landlord, right? And but but is this really the right thing to be doing? I mean, affordable housing is clearly a problem. But geez, did, did, you know, having three family units with an ADU and a JDU next door when you bought into a single family residence and all the cars and the rest is that is that really the right thing to be doing here?
1: Well, like I say, it's got to be neighborhood appropriate. There's just some neighborhoods it, it doesn't make sense, but. You know, some of the things, and we've talked about this, Erin, is what makes a good property to add an ADU? Okay, well, you don't want to just like start throwing things on there, but if there's a back alley access where, you know, there's a place to to carve out a parking spot next to the ADU, then is that even impacting the neighborhood negatively in any way? I don't think so. So, and and it's providing of... Uh, housing for somebody. And I think that's why these are getting rented up so fast is they're smaller units. They're brand new. Um, It's not like a condo where you have shared walls. These are mine anyway, are mostly detached. So they're just a separate building. So to me, it's, it's one solution to the affordable housing crisis. So
2: is there off street parking requirements like the, you know, you're going to add more, another ADU or JDU. Do you have to add like another off street parking area?
1: I don't think there's any, any restriction on parking at all these days. I mean, you're supposed to be within half a mile of transit or whatever, but I mean, that's never even come up as an issue with any of the cities I've worked with.
2: Cool. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the, the thought behind it was to, the affordable housing issue, this was the, a very creative way the state really forced the hands of the cities because some of the the bills like SB50 here in California, where medium density was supposed to be put along transportation corridors, by the time it landed at the local level, council members were getting complaints from the NIMBYs and it would get squashed. And you're like, well, how do we do this then? So it, it, it leverages existing infrastructure. I. I thought it was one of the most powerful things that they've ever done. And then they've systematically, whatever the cities came out with trying to stop them, the state has come on top, said, stop playing games. Then you have other cities like San Diego. I hear they're in discussion to allow up to eight units on R1 lots that are large enough. And you're like, what? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's gone through, but I, I've, I've um, been watching Several different cities do very creative things, even tiny homes. Tiny homes do not fall under, those aren't stick built. Those are, you know, um, are under DMV rules. So, but some of them are now allowing them as part of their ADU regulations. So you really have to check at the local level.
1: Well, and the cool thing is, is there's some creative, thoughtful designs out there. It's not like Mine, where I just like was so excited, I just built a stucco box, which are still really nice, but there's some cool designs going up and, and it's attractive. So it's not taking away from, from the neighborhoods, in my opinion, out of all walk the us, ones I've seen.
2: Walk us through your journey. You were one of the first to get out there, and really start doing this. And, uh, you know, and I mean, even yesterday I saw you posting about, a. Uh, you know, cool furniture to make these places more usable. So walk us through your, your journey, uh, where it started, and kind of where it is now. Well, um, gosh,
1: do you want the the hoarder home bit too <laughs> thrown yeah. in there, or just the EDU yeah. bit? <laughs> <laughs> Throw in the hoarder home. Well, I, I, I moved, I'm so naive, I just upped and moved one day to California, to, and I it landed up in Long Beach. And that was right in 2007. So I didn't know any better. I didn't know about the ups and downs of California. I just showed up. By the time I got my immigration stuff figured out, by 2008, I turned around and the same house I was looking at the year before was 40% off. I'm like, how how does this happen? How does this 600,000 house go down to like 350 and so that was the start of my career. So I, I, the timing worked out perfectly, actually, because I could start buying these houses on sale. So I started flipping, and then um, a lot of the homes initially came off the MLS because they were REOs or short sales, that sort of thing. And um, it sort of turned into more of a referral-based um, business for me. Uh, come 2014 or so, I started buying everything based off referral. So that's when I sort of fell into the hoarder home niche. Um, just had a knack with working with. It's it's a really interesting and sensitive subject. And I think when you can go and still respect people and know that they know they have gotten themselves in a bit of a situation and they need help, then that sort of became the niche there. So I'm still I'm still a flipper at at heart but over time i realized oh i've got to i've got to hold some of these and i had a bunch of rentals that just were way too high maintenance you know they were they were condos in in long beach mostly and just too much work like you shouldn't have to like work so hard for passive cash flow you know even after you shouldn't even after you have a management company helping you so got rid of those, and that's when I started um, really kind of doing the Mike Cantu method where, you know, start buying better assets in better neighborhoods with better tenants. And I thought, well, how am I ever going to do that when it just doesn't really make sense for cash flow? And that's when the ADUs kind of, I heard about that, and I thought, oh, okay, now this sort of makes sense. Because what you don't get off in the main house, you make up for with the ADU. So that's, that's been the, the journey over the last dozen years or so. Got it. And
2: so your first ADU was in, you said 2018?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I learned about it and I had a batch of houses that I was going to flip and I thought, wait a minute, I, if I keep all these and build ADUs, then these work. So yeah. I, I built six like right out of the gate, all in different cities learning the different rules and, Halfway through finding out, I was supposed to be living in because back then they had a covenant you had to notarize and record to say you're going to live in either the main house or the ADU. Well, I couldn't live in you five different them. places at once, <laughs> <laughs> so I had that challenge to overcome. And now apparently you can you can get that covenant removed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm looking into that. My friends already looked into that.
2: Uh, as you're not well. living in five houses anymore, or you're you're getting out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I buying more houses? No, no. The The five you already had, you, you're not having to live in all five of them. No,
1: anymore. no, no. <laughs> well, technically, I suppose I could, you know, one, one day a week I bounce around, but that's not very uh, convenient. So, yeah, so, so I did, I did five I kept as rentals. One I built to flip. Um, I didn't have any appraisal. Problems with that one because it was actually built on an R two zone property, um, and I have three more in the works. I'm actually doing my first JDU, so I will convert a garage, but it is appropriate to do so into a junior ADU, so I'm I'm doing that as well. So
0: interesting. Can you share a little what bit you- about, about cost? Um. Sure. Um, yeah, what do these look
1: like? Yeah, so I think the costs have come way down. So in two thousand, so I built this. The six I built, I started in two thousand eighteen, and I finished it, I think, early two thousand nineteen. Um, so the cost back then, on average, the soft cost. So basically, the the design, the architect, the structural, the submitting the plans at the planning department. Um, and permits, so all the stuff before you put the shovel in the ground, on average, I was paying about 20000 per city. So I think on the low end, um, 18000 um up to 25000 so in that range. And that that was just for, you know, those soft costs. Um, the construction, I was getting at the time $180,000. Uh, 180 square foot is what i was paying so now i'm sure that would be more i just everything's gone up lumber has gone up uh minimum wage they're talking about raising that um, and it's not just minimum wage it's like now the skilled guys who are making 18 an hour they want to be bumped up too so just everything ends up going up so it's it will be more now but basically that's what i was building them for so the construction was 180.
2: And how big a units are you building?
1: Um, on the low end, um, like a studio size, like 440 square feet. And then I've done a couple one bedrooms and two bedrooms. I think the largest being 755, that was a two
2: bedroom. Hmm. So at 500 square feet, that's 90 grand plus 20 grand in soft costs, 110 grand. And what do you get for rent for the, for the EDU?
1: So um, the that
2: one range. the one bedrooms I'm getting
1: eighteen hundred. Okay. Um, the two bedroom. Well, actually, I have the that property uh, sublease, so I have somebody paying rent for the whole property. So I actually don't know what he's getting for that ADU, but I mean eighteen hundred easily. And that 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 would be for the smaller one bedrooms. So I've got a five hundred square foot one bedroom in North Orange County. That's 1800. So it's, you know, and it costs one thirty to build or something, Yeah. you know, it, it makes sense. It meets yeah. that sort of 1% rule or whatever
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: you go by. <laughs> right. So 1800
2: times 12, 18,000 plus 36, 22,000 roughly a year, you're increasing your property taxes by a grand you increase maybe some probably have the folks pay their own utilities. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's a, a pretty, uh, a pretty good uh, return on investment. A really yeah. good. Yeah.
1: It's, it's decent. And um, one of the things I like about anything that's new is you don't really have any problems with it for, you know, you shouldn't have any problems for at least 10, 10 years or so, you know, cause everything's new, the roof, the heating, the air conditioning, um, you know, you might have some maintenance here and there, but,
2: um,
1: you Am know, I
2: I- that, right. is, you know, 20 grand in new income for a hundred, 110, like that's almost a 20% return, right? Oh, like
1: you, you can literally, if a homeowners build these in their backyard, they will pay for themselves in three to six years. I've I've met with homeowners to show, if, even if you borrow the money and you take the rent from that and pay it all towards just paying off that loan, you, you can have these paid off in three to six years.
2: So this is where we're seeing the rise of companies, and I, and I can't remember the name of it, but I saw a company out there that's saying like, we'll build an ADU in your backyard, right? And we'll split the rents with you. And it's still a pretty amazing return.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that personally, but yes, I've heard of that being done. Um, I am working with a company, uh, ADU Resource Centre, and they're helping homeowners like get started because people generally just don't even know where to start. And to me, it's, you know, you figure it out, but some people just, it's overwhelming, especially now you can't even go into the cities. You have to try to figure out who to contact online and
2: all this stuff. So, I got to say, as a homeowner, like, the idea of having somebody living in my backyard, like, doesn't have a lot of appeal, right? But for the for the landlord, right, where, okay, maybe they get a little less rent for the house in the front because they've put a house in the back, it's probably not meaningful less rent, and it's a huge change in their return on investment.
1: Yeah, and people are doing it for different reasons. People are actually building, I mean, they used to be called granny suites for a reason. You know, yeah. you've got another place that you can build um, and house family members. So some people are doing that. Instead of putting their parents in a assisted living home, they've got them right in the backyard. You know, so that's something that homeowners are doing. Yeah, I get it. Uh, there's been some resistance with families, with kids who just, they just don't want a tenant in their backyard. But you know, if you're single or a couple or whatever, and you don't mind, you know, having one of these things, you can create separate pathways to them, separate backyards, So it's very private Right. in some cases. Right.
0: When they're designed well, like on corner lots, I mean, it could be a very different living existence. Um, and I'll link a video I created on ADUs because we kept getting this uh, question. I, I sort of share the three ways to find ADUs. And one of those is that very hyper local expert that knows a specific neighborhood and understands an alleyway in the back basically means you have two separate units with a fence in the back and they're living different existences. It's great. There's
1: different styles of houses that work better, and that's a great point, Erin, because I'm about to market to one neighborhood in particular where I just like the style of the house. Mm -hmm. It's the house is almost set off to the side, and it's connected by a breezeway to the garage. So in behind that garage, you've got a wide open space to create a detached ADU with a separate backyard for it and you don't even know there's no impact at all. You just walk down the middle and you either go to the left or the right and you don't even see the guy next door. It's just like having a neighbor.
0: Have you gotten much feedback from tenants as far as any anybody saying anything or you bought the flip and added the ADU before either tenant moved in?
1: <clears throat> I did all the above. So on one property I did have a tenant in place. Um, but he happened to be my property manager. So I said, okay, I'm going to build an ADU and
2: I'm going to. Another management unit. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, and I said, "You can you can rent it. This is how much I want. And I knew he'd get substantially more. So he was making money off it too, but it got me to allow me to build it. But I knew he was going to move anyway, <clears throat> eventually. So he ended up buying his own house. And now he just rents both of those units separately, and there's no problem with either tenant. They just know that's what they're getting into when they when they rent it. Um, another two other ones, I actually rent both the house and the ADU just to one tenant. So they rent both. So they either they rent out one themselves, they sublet it, or they have other family members and they just all pay the rent together.
0: Interesting. So-
2: especially going into the JDUs, I saw you had a Facebook post. I think it was just yesterday or the day before where you're like looking at Murphy beds and stuff like that. So, you know, talk to us about like, what are the, what do you think the best practices are like in terms of like maximizing these smaller spaces and making them cool? Do you do do them furnished like with that Murphy bed and stuff or unfurnished? Like where's that at and where do you think the future is? Um, I do both. So some I've rented unfurnished, Um, A
1: couple others I have furnished. Um, I actually converted uh, existing space above a garage that was already permitted as a rumpus room. So I converted that into uh, an ADU. And that one is actually up in Lake Arrowhead. So that one I I rent furnished. It's just easier to rent them furnished sometimes. So, and it's not that much. I mean, it costs you the upfront to put in the furniture and, and pay for that, but it kind of pays, pays for itself. So I think it's case by case. Um, generally, if you can rent it unfurnished, it's probably better because then you don't need to maintain everything. Um, but some of these uh, space smaller spaces, um, I think it's a draw to have them well thought out even more so than the bigger spaces because there's not that much space to work with. So maybe instead of putting in, you know, like, do you really need a dishwasher in a 400 square foot ADU? Like maybe not, maybe that space is better used for, you know, something else. So case by case and you have to just think about who's going to be in that unit, what type of renter,
2: um, you know, who you're going to be renting it to. So it's that sort of thing. Is everything been stick built so far? Or are you starting to look at a prefab or tiny homes or some of those options?
1: I've looked at a prefab that somebody else did, um, you know, and I tried to talk to him about the numbers and it doesn't seem like it's really much cheaper by the time you have to drag this thing in or, or crane it down or whatever. Um, it could be, I think it's just personal preference um, it was really nice, but I think probably with my crew, stick built is better because then you can customize it really the, the exact way you want it. So, to each their own. I don't yeah, think there's a benefit all, either
2: way. You're doing all stick built so far. Yes. Cool.
0: Uh, early on, the vacation rental ADU got squashed pretty quick. So, there's a, I believe most cities have a 30 day minimum. Um, Do you know anybody doing sort of the um, furnished rental for traveling nurses at all and really exploding income?
1: Um, I do know some, some people who are renting rooms to travel nurses. Okay. Um, And that seems to, despite, you know, everything going on with, with COVID that still works. In fact, they're probably the, the, most careful tenant out of anybody, um, so they they'll rent rooms. It seems to be what's more affordable. Um, rooms in North Orange County right now, and even Los Angeles County are 950 on the low end. That's what rooms are in a nice house are renting for. So, um, and that's furnished. That's furnished. So, I, I think there's a niche there. If you don't mind a little bit more turnover, you know, every three months renting rooms, it's, it's a it's a niche to get into.
0: Have you had any problems with things like mail? Um, I, I, I love that you have, I, I'm able to ask this to you because you have different uh, counties. Uh, you you sent me examples of three different counties that you have ADUs in, and each area handles ADUs slightly differently, but mail has always been a big concern. How do you deal with that? <laughs>
1: Um, I I haven't had any issues like it's weird because most of the cities want you to put up the separate ADU number. So when the city issues, whatever that's going to be, sometimes it's, you know, the main house is 123 and then the ADU is 123 and a half or 123 B or 123 A or 125, you know, like it all depends at city by city. So you have to put that address somewhere and you just sort of figure out where to do it. Sometimes it's on the front of the garage. So you've got the main house on one side and the ADU on the other. So sort of weird, and you're supposed to have two mailboxes. Oh, okay. So um, that's just how I've been doing it uh, so far. So
0: it works out.
2: Because of 911 having uh, two designated postal addresses, and and I guess, um, yeah, addresses in that sense are required. We're not seeing that come through in public records. Right. So public records still calls the APN. Right. And that APN has one address assigned to it. So um, these are a little hard to find in public records still at this point. The the counties and cities haven't really, you know, uh, come up with a standard approach to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess the biggest issue is when you're trying to get food delivered and, you know, which door do they knock on? They can't really figure it out. That's sort of more of the, the issue. The mailman sort of figures it out, you know, over time, but it, the DoorDash guy is still a bit confused. So that's really the only issue. First world problems. <laughs>
0: um, how about utilities? Do you make a habit of um, forcing the tenants to split? Does that change by city what they require?
1: Yeah, you know, if I could go back in time, I've maybe I would have done this a little differently. So, City of Bellflower made me put in my own a separate water meter. Uh, Fifty-eight hundred dollars later, just to install that, plus the, you know, the digging of the trench and everything else that needed to be done. Um, but in the end, I have two separate water bills. So, is that going to pay for itself? I suppose over time, it's it's good. Um, Other cities just send you the utility bill all all on one bill. So it's not separated in any way. So for one house, I I just pay it as the landlord. I sort of estimated based on previous bills, what it was going to be for both units and with the understanding or even written into the lease, like, you know, the bill can't go over this or you're going to start paying for it or pay the extra. So that's sort of how, I've done it. I've just paid, charged a little bit extra for the utilities and it's it's covered that way. But yeah, should I have separated them? Maybe.
0: You have some pretty hilarious war stories about some of the things that you've run into and I would love uh, for you to share a few of them.
1: Oh boy, uh, where do we start?
2: How, how difficult is it as a city? So tell us a city war story or a county. <clears throat>
1: Well, I'll tell you a project I'm working on right now. In case there's any listeners who have any contacts in the city of Los Angeles (laughs) that could help me, Mm. I've had a project submitted since November 2018, and I'm still waiting for permits.
0: So, this is the ADU law says they've got 60 days, or else it's considered gone through. Why can't you just barrel forward?
1: Well, and I did contact Greg Nicholas, by the way, <laughs> but um, he really is only in charge of ADUs, I think. Um, this also is a lot split. So the, so a minimum lot requirement in city of Los Angeles is 5,000 square feet. <clears throat> well, I bought a property that's 13,000 square feet on a corner lot, so I'm splitting it in two. Mm. It's already zoned R1. So I don't even have to change the zoning, but there's two houses on the lot. So somewhere along the way, it was probably zoned, you know, differently R2 or something, but it got rezoned to R1. So all I want to do is split the lot into two. The houses are already where they should be on the lot and then renovate the houses and build the ADUs. And I've had plans submitted since November, 2018. So, in in January 2020, the rule came out where if you're going to build an ADU, the cities are supposed to get back to you within 60 days, okay? Then COVID hit, and that is, I mean, that's just a joke now. Just nowhere is anyone getting back to you in two months. It's more like four, maybe five months. But because my project has a lot split as well, it's, it's just taking
2: a long time. It took so me four there's months a, to get a new sign approved on one of my commercial buildings. <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> like it should have been over the counter like in a minute and it took four months.
1: <laughs> it's really insane. You know, it's there really isn't a housing problem. It's just more of a red tape bureaucratic problem. That that's what it is. Because and if I can just get these units on the market, you know, living in one and three other units, that's three housing units I could be providing to LA residents. And I'm just at this standstill. They just keep passing the buck around to the next guy. And I just, it just goes nowhere. And I'm not sure what I can do about that. So
2: anybody that's belt blaming builders, investors, et cetera, for affordable housing is out of their freaking mind. It is 100% your government officials and yourself for being a NIMBY, right? Like almost, it's so crazy. All these folks who say, oh, you know, I want affordable housing. We see it here in Tahoe all the time. Everybody's like, the housing's unaffordable. It's not, it's ridiculous. And then somebody proposes a new housing development. They're like, we shouldn't allow any more building up here. This is Tahoe. It's beautiful. And it's like, pick one, right? Like, you know, it's, it, it's either going to be unaffordable and and not and not very many buildings, or it's going to be affordable and we're going to do a lot of building. Like it, it's a choice. You don't get
1: both. This is really tough because you've got people who just want things left the way it is. On the other hand, you know, here I am, the small developer trying to put improve the neighborhood. By the way, the city wants me to add three lampposts or street lights or whatever. Those got to be five grand a pop, so that's part of the project. They'll approve it, but I have to do the improvements on the street. Okay, fine, I'll do it. This just is for the lot split? Yes, yes. So I'm I'm improving that whole corner. It's on a cor- it's a corner lot, so I'm improving that that whole corner. I think,
2: but you know. Maybe a mistake, because like if you put a, have done a lot of lot splits, right? Where they're like, you know, even where they've said we won't allow a lot split, but they don't have any basis, like a lot split, if it meets the requirements, you can just do it. It's 1200 bucks and you're just done. It, you think if you'd submitted the lot split separately from then the ADUs, like, maybe submitting the whole thing as a package is, is part of the problem or
1: I, I think so in hindsight Um that's the way the planner told me to do it um, or told my architect to do it. And we just went with that and I didn't think to question that. Mm. So yes, next time I'll just split it and then, you know, do, do the building. Cause that might've gone faster.
0: Have you reached out to the city council member yet? And,
1: Okay, the city council member <clears throat> was just charged for fraud because they found one hundred twenty thousand dollars in his in, in brown paper bag in his closet. That was my council member.
2: Yeah, was it your one hundred twenty thousand dollars? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, so, and I did call him before I knew this. And I said, you know, I, I'm a small, you know, I live in the neighborhood. I'm trying to do some improvements. Can you help me? I never got a call back. Well,
2: he was, I'm too small potatoes for this guy. <laughs> and what got the leaf? I have a brown paper bag and I know what to put in it. Then you would have gotten that call back right away. <laughs>
0: Oh, geez. So what's so crazy, if if the city of L.A. was doing what you did, it would cost them one point five million dollars because with their HHH funds, it's on average five hundred and twenty grand per unit that they're building. So I look at that. It, it's just a sin. It's just so upsetting to me that this kind of stuff happens.
2: Well, that's that's the, um, you know, unfortunately, most things we see around affordable housing outside of this ADU thing, right, are about how do we use other people's money to build unaffordable housing. It's not about affordable housing at all, right? And it's like, who are we gonna tax to build unaffordable housing and then give it away in a lottery to some lucky person? But then we're not gonna give them any of the advantages. We're gonna make them buy this house, but we're not gonna give them any of the advantages of owning a house because we're gonna deed restrict it so that they get no appreciation. It's just like, how could we screw this up more? So you're saying I should move out of state. Is that what I should do? (laughs) I think you should do exactly what you're doing. And, you know, I mean, here's, here's the, my bigger picture thing. Like I still live in California, right? So why we're on the California topic, right? Like you look at all the best places in the world, right? So, you know, Trump said, we don't want people from the shithole countries. We want people from, you know, the Scandinavian countries. Well, guess what? They all have way higher taxes than we do here in California, right? Like all the, it, 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 it kind of comes hand in hand. If you want to live in a great place, you get a bunch of this stuff with it, right? It's, it's just, it's part of the trade-off. You can go live in armpit places in America and have less taxes and less, you know, but it, it. California is pretty awesome. You can wake up in the morning and go skiing, and be surfing in the afternoon, and you know, stop by wine country in between. Like,
1: I totally agree. I totally want to put up with a
2: lot. And, it feels like I, a lot right now, though.
1: <laughs> yes, it, it's it's overwhelming some days. But just I've learned to just chill out about it. You know, some days I get riled up and I fire off an email or make a phone call, and then I'm. The next day i'm just like ah, hurry up an you know it is what it is and I'll, I'll i'll get to it at some point it would be nice to have things go faster but it is what it is
0: well let's say in the state of california and it's not just california who's been focusing on these i i know washington has been a big proponent of accessory dwelling units i really like this as a solution Oregon. yeah i mean it, we're not alone but here in california by right you as a landowner should be able to build one accessory dwelling unit there are some exceptions. There is safety, uh, public health. Um, one of the things I was told early on is if you're on a lot and you look overhead and there's a power line, you just be careful. Don't assume. Don't um, spray and pray. <laughs> it's the wrong approach with ADUs. I know you have an environmental story as well with uh, liquefaction, yes?
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Got one of those.
2: <laughs>
0: you want to hear that one too? I do. I, well. Oh, boy. I, I want to warn people because those are the kinds of things you buy and assume you're going to do it. And then a year later, you're like, Oh my God, I wish I would have known.
1: Oh yeah. I, I've, I've made all the mistakes literally. And well, let's start really, with what is
2: liquefaction. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I'm going to keep bringing this, uh, dumb this
1: down. I don't even know if I know how to explain this properly. It's where your house is sitting over some type of water table. So on the NHD report, there's actually a little thing that says, are you in liquefaction? Okay. I never paid attention to that. Who needs to know that for any reason? Well, this house I bought, um, I bought, it was a hoarding situation. So I don't have, I don't make the seller do all those disclosures anyway. Well, I never knew it. I just plowed ahead and started my ADU design. Well, it was in liquefaction. So what does that mean? You basically have to dig.
2: So uh,
1: yeah, it's, it could be perceived as unstable soil. So what right. you have to do is stabilize the soil. You have to dig up all, the whole area. So even if your ADU is only taking up a portion of your backyard, you have to dig up the entire backyard all the way to the lot line, five feet down, and then put one foot of dirt back in at a time, compact it with this thing, get a third-party engineer to come over, put, poke a stick in it say yep that's good put another foot back get them back the next day it's just this process and of course there's nowhere to put all the dirt you're digging 5 feet down so you have to do one side and pile the dirt on the other side compact that side then dig up the other side pile it on top <laughs> then you have to get more dirt in because you've just compacted it so you need more dirt it's it's a process <laughs> it's a process can I built
2: a house back in 2012, and um, the foundation was triple the cost of what I thought it would be because it had to meet hundred-year flood and hundred-year earthquake simultaneously. Right, and I'm like, okay, there's a bunch of stuff in my town that's been around more than a hundred years and there hasn't been a hundred year flood and a hundred year earthquake that happened at the same time. Right. Like are we, we really seriously, like this foundation's just incredible. Right. Like you, you think it would be for like a skyscraper or something and it's, you know, a two story to one in sections or one story. And it's just like, what are we doing? We've, we're making housing illegal. Um, by it's, yeah, and
1: the new rules, they, they make you do all these things and okay, well, it's fine, but it seems a bit excessive when you have like, like my, my home in, in Los Angeles is, um, 1913 or something. Okay. It's still standing. It's lasted all this time. So they must've did something right back in the day, but yeah, lots, lots of new rules for new, new builds.
0: Yeah, If I'm um, a real estate investor where, you know, lessons learned if from a, a tacticals perspective um, I've shared and I've talked to manufacturers of uh, ADUs, you know, a lot minimum square footage that you've experienced work well. Is it a 10,000, uh, like five to 10,000 range, 7,000? Do you have a preference of how much dirt you'd like to see?
1: Um, no, I mean, 5,000, preferably on the smaller side. But it just all depends on the shape of the lot and sort of how you can, you know, build on it. If it's got that got access it. way oh. from the back, it's it's much easier. Corner lots um, sometimes work pretty well, but you have the setbacks now on two sides for the ADU. Um, the setbacks now, by the way, are four feet. Mm-hmm. So they used to be five feet. In some cities, they were 15 feet. I know I built one in... 2018 that was a 15-foot setback from the rear. Um, so you just have to sort of know the rules and figure out where you can put one that sort of makes sense. So yeah, 5,000 on the low end. I, I would say if you can, the bigger the lot, it's going to be easier, a little more flexibility.
0: Yeah. A fun little trick in property radar is to get the square footage and then start zooming in and look where uh, the, the house is placed. And you can really create your own customized list. And if you have insights on, um, I had one ADU uh, real estate investor, I actually think it was in Long Beach, where he knew where there was an alley, but also where it was easy, very easy to connect to the sewer line. So it wasn't expensive. So he had sort of an inside track. So man, those hyper local insights, super cool. Now, an opportunity we have to talk about is upzoning. So if you're paying attention to at the local level upzoning opportunities that haven't even hit the realm of public record, let's talk about that. So if you have an R2, you can build a duplex and have two ADUs, correct? Yes. I and wow. let's okay, you've got a R2
2: a, just became
0: an R4. Correct. Yes. If you have an R4, you can build four ADUs and guess what kind of financing you qualify for? Standard
2: Residential one to four. And you so you paid. you get residential financing, and you can build eight units. You can have eight units. Yep. Wow, mm-hmm. it's a good one, Aaron. I didn't know that one.
0: So uh, one of my favorite projects I heard about was a real estate investor who owned a triplex. And I thought this was really smart. It was on a a rather large lot. He's like, yeah, what I've decided to do is build um, garages with ADUs on top that I will rent separately for whomever wanted to use them. I'm like, that's so smart. You're increasing the quality of the units themselves and then building ADUs. And he was just really happy. I'm like, yes, more of those. So (laughs) there's just a lot of...
2: What becomes the difference between a unit and an ADU at that point? Like, we're going to call four units and we're going to call four ADUs. Is there a is there a technical difference? I don't know. I, that's what's weird. No. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's any actual
1: difference, other than maybe the setbacks are a little more favorable for ADUs, um, and that's why I built. And there was only room for one additional housing structure on this R2 <clears throat> that I built last year, a couple of years ago. Um, but so I called it an ADU because the setbacks were more favorable. So in terms of the actual space, there's no difference. But in terms of what you want to do, maybe to get it reappraised, that might be a little tricky. There, I did have some appraisal issues in the past. I don't know what those are like currently. I haven't done anything recently.
0: I'm, I'm still hearing that appraisers they still don't know what to do because there's not enough comps. I think the closer you ha- are to our two properties, if you're on a single family with an ADU, you have more of a chance of them comparing it to a duplex, but yeah, they're creating an average square footage cost and carrying it over into the ADU, which is not great because it's the most expensive square footage crammed in a small space. <laughs> so mm-hmm. for flippers that are doing ADUs, I continue to see the problem, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. And, and going forward, um, I always want to have a couple different exit strategies, even if I'm flipping. What what if I can't flip this due to it not appraising or due to the market dropping or whatever the case may be? I don't want to just be relying on flipping. I want to have another game plan just in
0: case. Look at you being all smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you excited about in 2021? What do you plan to work on this year?
1: Well, um, definitely... I'm excited to get these three, three more ADUs. Well, one, one JDU, two ADUs built out. So I'll be working on that this year as soon as I get permits. Um, I do want to um, continue my, my hoarding, you know, marketing, which is, you know, some days I don't do too much, but honestly, it's all word of mouth. So I just have to kind of stay in front of people. And, and nowadays I can't do my my little wine and cheese uh, open houses or you know get-togethers. So it's all online, and that's why I've realized I need to be posting these pictures. I mean, I have pictures from a dozen years of all kinds of st- stuff I've stepped in and all you know before and after. I might as well be showing that because I'm still in that business so I'm, I'm still going to just do that and just be mindful that we we might have an adjustment coming at some point I mean you know the market and prices last year went up 15% okay who would have thought you know you have a pandemic and prices go up 15% um, I don't think they're going to do that this year so I just want to be be cautious of that but yeah but I, I want to be-
2: breaking the stock market um, right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I want to look at each deal creatively. I don't want to just run out for the sake of buying something. I want to look at each deal. You know, how can this be a win-win for me and the seller? Could I do something with this to to not just flip it, but maybe to keep it and build an ADU and, and have it as a rental? Or could I could I, you know, sell it to someone? Or I don't know. I want to get creative with it. I think that's sort of my my
2: ideas for this year. order houses are particularly just crazy. And, I, you know, it's one of those cases where I don't think people realize how much value investors add in, like, taking care of problem properties and getting them back to the point where they can be financed. Because a lot of these houses that investors buy aren't – you know aren't financeable they aren't sellable like like oh an investor's flipping a house but you know without that flip nobody's buying it cuz you know it, you know you can't get financing
1: you have to be really creative with those properties because you're dealing with a problem property but you're also dealing with a person who has some issues they they can't just up and move that's not that's not realistic. You've really got to help them through that process and figure that process out with them. So you're dealing with a lot. So I think that's what I like about those is figuring out how to how to help how to that help person and, and getting a deal for myself. Make is, it a win-win.
0: What does hoarder marketing even look like? <laughs> Are you rolling down the street being like, looks like you're a hoarder, call me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, all referral-based. All referral-based. In fact, that, I've bought almost all. Mostly from agents. All from from a portion comes from agents. Um, a portion just comes through other business professionals that work in a similar industry. So maybe an assisted living placement person or um, a, a junk caller type company. Um, so um, I, I get them from financial planners who know a person's financial situation where they have a property that needs to be sold. Um, so, different business professionals. It all comes through referral nowadays.
0: And and you're marketing to them and not homeowners. Correct. Interesting.
1: Okay. Homeowner a, a homeowner who has the hoarding disorder never wants to sell. They will never want to sell. They will need to sell at some point.
0: This isn't hoarding. This is, these are collectibles. Every single.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. But, uh... you, you
1: never you never call it junk. You never call it. These are their treasures.
2: Mm. My best one was when the the hoarder passed away and the wife was left there going, oh, my
0: God, what do I do? (laughs) So stressful. Well, I'm going to make sure to post links to um, your website. Um, What's the best way uh, people can get in contact with you?
1: Probably just through email. Um, or my phone number, you can post that if you want, Aaron. Um, I think folks
2: should follow you on, on Facebook. Are you good with that? Would you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm on Facebook. Your,
2: how do they find you on Facebook?
1: Um, just under my, my name, Christy Sertwell, Um, and also I'm on LinkedIn. So I post, um, on both of those in Instagram as well, if you want a third option. all. <laughs> so.
2: You post a lot, you know, pictures of ADUs, pictures of like furniture for ADUs. I mean, you have good uh, good content there that I think is helpful for anybody looking at this kind of space. And and yeah, and now you really are going to have to have good content.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's good to just keep it people's top of mind. And that's, it's sort of a, not a direct marketing, I do, but it's it's just indirect. I'm having fun with it. You know, why not show people what I'm doing? Then they remember me for a potential property
0: or partnering, because that takes a very, that's a people skill level that some investors just don't have.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, really, thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome.
1: Thank yeah, you both. I appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron and Sean.
0: Thank you for listening to the Data Driven Real Estate podcast. You can find show notes and links to some of the resources mentioned in the show at datadrivenrealestate.com. Click that join the community and you'll be forwarded to the Property Radar community where you can ask questions about the current show and even see upcoming guests and ask questions there. We'd love to engage with you in the community so check it out. Please don't forget to like, favorite, subscribe, and share on your favorite platform where you're listening to the show. It helps us out a great deal. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.